this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Are you ready? I know you're all ready for Steeler game in a, in a bit, but are you ready for the word? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was, uh, I was going to go a couple directions, and then I couldn't get away from a particular... Um, it, it, in fact, today's message is going to be uh, very different from what I would normally preach to you. Uh, most of the time, I preach to you where you're at, your need, your circumstance, your problem, your situation. Most of the time, I'm trying to preach you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And uh, a lot of times it's storyline, uh, along a storyline and what have you. But today I, I really want to go in a direction of, of something that is just a, a, not just a need within the body of Christ, but I believe it is a need even in, in the world that we are today, a problem that we see amongst the, in the world that we are in. And so I was torn on even, I always try to give some kind of a cute title or, or something like that, and I was torn about it. And the only best way I could describe it is that sometimes that we often get things upside down or inside out. How many know there are just some things we get backwards? Anybody else ever heard the expression, sometimes we get the cart before the horse? Uh-huh. Sometimes uh, we, we, we don't necessarily get things done in the right order. Oftentimes we want our results from God without being willing to give anything to him ourselves. Uh, no, not this church. Not, this, not, not anybody watching online or on TV today. Uh, it's everybody else. It's every other church in Uniontown. But, but oftentimes it, when they give away something for free, notice how quickly people line up. Uh-huh. They'll offer samples at Sam's Club, and y'all act like you ain't never eaten before. Uh-huh, because we want to get something for nothing. I mean, we act crazy sometimes over when we can get something without having to give anything. Uh-huh, and we bring that kind of mentality to God. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. What can you give me today? We do that with our worship. Give me, give me. Help me, Jesus. And yet there's something that he has asked of each of us. And I'm going to use two terms today that are often not popular, not just in the world, but especially not in the church. Oh, just get ready. We're we're, we're going to dive into two words. I'll just give them to you now just to prepare you because some of you are fixing to get a real attitude. Uh, One is... One is submission. Ah, oh, listen to what she just said. Here we go. And the other is obedience. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Uh huh. And we like to use that and pull that out to, as a means to, for us to get our way. But then we forget that the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And so we're talking about a submission there also. Uh-huh. There, there's a submission 
there also. And while we're not going to use that particular text, uh, we are. I know they were asking me upstairs. They get impatient because I never really know where I'm going to go for sure. But we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. An unusual portion of scripture. But I'm going to, I think I'll title this today, Upside Down Kingdom. We've done a lot of teaching on the kingdom of God. But boy, do we have it upside down. You know, most of our churches are designed that we serve you. Most of what we do for church is about, uh, is about what people can do for us. Most of our churches, most of the time we design our churches so that we have platform celebrities in our name and lights. Uh-oh. And everybody wants to climb the ladder and be the one in charge. Notice that on work. Notice that in church. How many have ever been through church problems before? Most church problems always derive from a place that 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 person's not in charge. Now, we don't deal with that much here, thankfully. However, we all have had problems. We've all seen issues. We've all seen it on work that everybody complains, right? And it's usually the people complaining the most. They're the ones that think they can do the job, but they've never even tried to do the job. And so sometimes we get things upside down and inside out. So I want to look at this. I'm going to do something also different. I'm going to read today out of the Amplified Version. I usually never do it. But for the sake of this text, it is important to help you have understanding and clarity. And so if you've never really used the Amplified, maybe you might want to today for those of you that have yours all lit up like mine. Choose the Amplified Version and it will help you, I believe, because it's a complex text If we were preaching this on midweek, we'd probably spend six weeks on these portions of scriptures I'm about to read. Look what it says, Philippians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 4. Oh, help us, Lord. Somebody say, help me, Lord. I'm telling you, you're going to need his help, so you better ask him for it now. This could be a rough one. All right, are you ready? Here we go. Verse four, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, (laughs) but also for the interest of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted. Now, as if he didn't already possess it. In other words, he wasn't intimidated. Look at verse 7. But emptied himself... In other words, God felt safe enough, vulnerable enough to empty himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality in his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in, his, in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin being fully God and fully man. Oh, hallelujah. Verse eight, after he was found in outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further 
by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, are you still with me? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Oh, hallelujah. That's our text. Look at that final verse there in verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus because that's where we're going to end. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can somebody say amen? Mm-hmm. Now stay with me. I mentioned a moment ago words like servanthood are not popular today. It's not a world's most popular. In fact, we don't preach about it in church because it's not popular. It doesn't sell podcasts. It doesn't make people download our sermons, any of those things. I can promise you this. As soon as people hear the title, they will click off, and it will be one of the least listened to messages online. But they're going to click off too early before we get to the good stuff because this is just the introduction. But we don't like to necessarily talk about and use words like servanthood in the body of Christ, in, even in the world today. Uh, we, we have, people have leadership conferences or things like that, and everybody wants to go, everybody wants to go up, but nobody really wants to necessarily follow. Uh, people are attracted to, to being a leader and being the boss, but not necessarily servitude. Uh-huh. We're not necessarily attracted to servitude, right? To, to serving someone or serving something else or being a servant in any way. We often want to be able to, it's easier for each of us to often think of ourselves as being the one. Being, being the chosen one. Being the one that God would use. Being the one that could do it better. Being the one that could, could, could get it done quicker. Being the one that could raise more money. Being the one that could play the piano better. Being the one that could sing better. Hallelujah. Being the one that could run the sound better. Being the one that could greet better. Being the one that could do it all. Our society as a whole is enamored with the importance of being successful. But consequently servanthood is unpopular even with our children. Let me step back for a moment and prove to you that I grew up in an era where, where, you, where you, you served somebody. Let me put it another way. I grew up in an, era, in an era where we didn't buy dishwashers. We were the dishwasher. Now you all be having dishwashers and let your kids fill the dishwasher. Get out of here. Get out of here, right? Uh, in other words, we grew up in a time where we knew what it was to serve. Hallelujah. We knew what it was to serve. We, we, we knew what it was to, to give beyond ourselves. Uh, we grew up in a time where servanthood was sort of inbred in the nature of how we were raised to do something and live beyond just ourselves, right? We, where we did things for other people and did things for grandparents. But, but now, today, kids can't wash dishes because they're allergic to the soap suds. 
now children are, are, are their, their booties are too cute to serve anybody. No, no, instead parents serve me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know it's tough already, isn't it? Right? It's what we can do for them, never what they can do for you. It's kind of backwards, isn't it? Buy me this, take me here, do this for me, hallelujah. Never teaching them what it is to really serve anybody. I opened the door for someone, held the door the other day for somebody, and they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And then they said, thank you. You know, because people aren't used to you serving them in any capacity, right? Our society just isn't used to it. Hallelujah. And so now we sort of have a disdain for the word servanthood and submission. We, we used to not even mind the word submission. Now we can't even have wedding vows that have the word submit in it because it's too much. It, it could be sexist if we did that. Uh-huh. It could be, see, you're all getting quiet on me, but I'm telling you the truth. I've had people request and go through eight weeks of counseling with me only to say, can you take that part out? No. Nope. Sorry, can't do that. <laughs> right. we, we don't want to discuss the word submission. We don't want to discuss the word servanthood. I don't want to serve anybody. I want everybody to serve me. I want you to give to me. Hallelujah. Isn't even social media enamored with look at me? Look at me. I said last week how even only our church, we only post the good stuff. We never post about our bad days. We never post when I'm on the verge of losing my mind and pulling my hair out, right? We only sort of post the good stuff. And so it's, it's, it's always about look at me. It's always about look what we did, hallelujah. Think about it another way. Uh, Cindy knows this. Caregivers are often not looked at in a positive light. In fact, uh, most of the companies who come to our distributions to hire, even after they try to hire people in our food line, they can't hire enough people. They're just always shorthanded because they're not looked at with favor. They're not looked at as, uh, oh, it's good what they do. No, why? Because nobody wants to care for nobody, but everybody wants to be cared for. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Right? No, nobody wants to have to take care of somebody. Nobody wants to have to do those things and, and, and do those tasks, but everybody wants to be cared for. We, we sort of in our society have a bloodlust for power. We wonder why our country has the dynamic that it does politically, but actually it's because there's a bloodlust for power. It's not about service anymore. But it is about power. Who's in charge? Who controls the White House and who controls the Congress and who controls the Senate? Hallelujah. It is about power. It's not about service. See, we used to get along because it was about service. But now it's about power. And it's about which party has power. Stay with me now. I, I won't bring up your party, I promise. But there's a bloodlust on both sides of the aisle. Hallelujah. On, on every area of our society, we've gone nuts for power. Why? Because nobody's for people anymore, but everyone's for power. Mm -hmm. It used to be that we would serve in capacities for people, but now we want to serve for power. We want to serve so we can make moves. We want to we, 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 we serve in a corporation so we have power. Think about it this way. We don't even get along in our marriages because we're fighting for power. Uh-huh. Nobody's submitting. I said I'm coming for you today. Hallelujah. 
You can't get mad at me. You got to love me to get to heaven. So, hallelujah. Yeah. I said, even we fight in our marriages and our relationships because we're, we're, we're not interested in submitting. We're, we're, we're fighting for power. Husbands aren't submitting. Wives aren't submitting. Children aren't submitting. Nobody's submitting. Nobody's submitting, and everyone's in a fight to prove to the other that they're the one. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one that makes this decision. Mm, hallelujah. Yes, I plan to. Hallelujah. So we're in a fight to say, I'm the one. Right? When you argue and the, the, the higher you, your, your voice gets when you're screaming at your spouse or neighbor or whoever it might be, the only reason you're screaming louder is you think by screaming louder that somehow you're going you're gonna to convince them that you're right. Right? Which only proves to me that you are dead wrong. Because you have to scream at that level to try to prove your point. It lets me know that you are really not in authority because someone who is really in authority doesn't have to scream to get their point across. They Just by being there and operating and, and living in a place of authority, when they walk in the room, they'll set the tone. Oh, hallelujah. That's why just the presence of Jesus could bring calm to a storm. He, yes, he spoke to a storm, but he didn't have to. That's just, just by sometimes him, him being in the room, uh, the, the events took a different turn. Hallelujah. So, so we don't have to scream to prove that we're in charge. Hallelujah. You don't have to yell, cuss, and all those things, church, just to prove to somebody that you're the boss. Just by doing that lets me know that you are too insecure to realize that you are the one that might be the, the boss. Uh-huh. Uh, what happened to the amens all of a sudden? Oh, hallelujah. So the next time, see, now you're all going to think twice before you start screaming at one another and yelling at your neighbor. And wives, don't be using this against your husbands. And husbands, don't use this against your wives. Don't put this in your, your toolbox as a weapon. Hallelujah. I know how y'all are. <laughs> Some of you were like, I'm going to file that away right there. Taking notes and <laughs> you're going to use it as a weapon later, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, everybody wants to go higher. Everybody wants to get a promotion. Everybody wants to move up in church, in the world, on the workplace, in the family. But I was thinking the other day, we were in the midst of the few distribution and we go through a sort of a rotation of people in the food distributions, and sometimes people will come and volunteer as groups, and then they'll dissipate, right? And we, we've had groups that decided they're not going to volunteer anymore, and when it all boils down to it, it's because they're not the ones in charge, because everybody wants to be in charge. And when you take a little bit of authority away from somebody, then they'll quit. That's true. Right? Everybody's looking for sort of power of some kind. And I was thinking the other day when I was dealing with that situation, I thought, I, you know, I can't think of the last time someone just said to me, hey, what is it that you need help with? What, what, what is it that we can do, whether at a distribution or anything? Just because we lack the, the mentality and the idea of what it is to be a servant. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The last time that anybody ever would think about that, when was the last time your children came to you and said, hey, what can I help you with? 
while you're working your guts out cleaning and prepping the house to get ready for winter and, and they're playing Xbox or whatever it is that they do and they, they see you sweating and, and, and grunting and filthy from head to toe and, and they're like, hey, I'm going to the mall. Never once considered, doesn't make them bad people, it just means that children cannot be what they cannot see. Uh-huh, that's good. Uh, our community cannot be what they cannot see. Hallelujah. used to be a time you didn't have to ask people to do things in the body of Christ. They just saw a need and would do it. It used to be years ago, we didn't even have to put up a list or announce areas we needed help because there was just more help than we needed. The church was just always clean. The, the grass was always mowed. The painting always got done. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? But now you can't get anybody to set aside any time to serve to do anything, let alone help you and your family. When was the last time your family helped you when you had a problem? See, I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about being a servant in all areas. We got it upside down and inside out. Hallelujah. There used to be a time when we didn't have to beg people to help. Open the door for somebody, right? Any of those things. We're in, a, and we're in a fight in our nation. We're in a fight everywhere between political powers, races, families, genders. Oh, hallelujah. We won't even go there. The church is not even exempt from it. There, there's an insatiable desire in our society for status, for titles, for recognition. And some people will do anything, say anything, kill your reputation and, and, and do whatever it takes just to be the one in power. In the workplace, in church, in family, families will rise against family just to be the one who's the boss. Nobody's really trying to get down or, or to get low, but everyone's trying to get up. You understand that more in a moment. Even if sometimes we do things for we do we do the right things, we often do them for the wrong reasons. We can often do the right things, but do it for the wrong reasons. Uh-huh. The wrong reasons. The wrong reasons. Our society has become so against people pleasers that we no longer serve. Nobody wants to be a people pleaser. We preach against it, right? We teach against it. We'll counsel people against trying to get the approval of people. But in so doing that, we've quit serving. Uh-huh. You think all the things that we do, think about the thousands of people we serve a month, and still we, we always have around 35, 40 volunteers for distribution because nobody wants to serve. Now, some people work. I realize that most of you in this place work. But even on a cleanup day for the city, I thought about this the other day, with all the people running for re-election and only one, only one person running for office came and helped us to clean sidewalks. You know why? Because they want power, not service. Power and not service. They'll talk about all the things they can do to improve our city, but they're not doing a thing to help before they're elected. Oh, Hallelujah. Because they're interested in power and not service. We seek only to be served. We have sort of an idea that being served elevates us and gives us a false sense of authority, right? We would rather be, a, be alone than even serve anybody. Mm-hmm. We don't want to serve anybody. But people can only learn to serve 
by what they see. That's how they learn what to be. And sometimes people don't serve because they, they see serving as weakness. We're going to get to the good stuff in a moment. Just bear with me. Sometimes we see service as weakness. Because sometimes people see kindness as weakness. Uh-huh. Haven't you ever had someone take advantage of your kindness and they think just because you're kind that that means you're weak? And so some people, they try to use you and, and they'll you keep using you until they use all of you up. And they really have a misunderstanding of what kindness is because it takes strength to be kind. It's not easy to be kind, right? Uh, anybody else who in here is ever kind, it, it can take everything you've got to stay in an attitude of kindness and not rip their face off. Sometimes you want to take their lips and stretch them clear up over their forehead because that's how angry you are, but you choose kindness, hallelujah. And it, let me tell you, it's not weakness when I'm, when I'm kind to you. It is strength because what I'm really feeling like I'm fixing I want to do to you could land me in jail, but it takes strength for me to keep my mouth shut and keep my hands to myself. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Don't even mistake my meekness for weakness. Uh-uh. See, sometimes some of you, see, that, that's what I know. The loudest person in the room is usually not the most confident. Uh-huh. The most arrogant person in the room, I don't want to get ahead of myself, they're not the most confident. In fact, they're the most insecure. In fact, they're the, probably the weakest. Because it takes strength to maintain meekness. It takes strength to maintain uh, quietness. Hallelujah. See, being a, being a servant, being a, ser being a servant or servitude cannot be done for what you and I can get out of it. Or how can I be acknowledged? Or how can I be recognized? Any more than you and I can medicate be having low self-esteem by trying to serve someone or, 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 or using fear or vulnerability by, 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 by hiding behind all those things. The real test is, the real test, if you really want to test your motives and your agendas and why you do the things you do, the real test is, would you do it if nobody was looking? See, especially because we're in church today, I'll, I'll preach about church, but there are some people that only want to do things when I'm around. Uh, not here. It was, the, it was two churches ago. All right, it's not fresh fire. Right. There are some people that they only get up and get moving at a food distribution when I come walking by. And it's like lightning hit them up out of their seat and they, oh, I, I just needed a minute to catch my breath. Because they don't want you to see them as they're not doing something, right? But, but the real question of what is our motive, what is our attitude when it comes to services, the real test is, is would you do it if nobody was looking? Would you do it if the lights were off and the cameras stopped rolling? Would you do it if the boss didn't see you? Would you do it even if your spouse doesn't recognize it? Mm. Oh, see, every, every person in here who's ever been married or ha had a spouse of any kind, you know what it is that when you do something and the spouse doesn't recognize it, they're in for it. 
It can be getting your haircut. It can be an improvement on the house. It can be, look, I cleaned the room. It could be, look, I did the dishes. And then they are so caught up in themselves. They just didn't, maybe it was innocent, right? Or maybe they just aren't one to pay attention to details, but they're in trouble because now they're ungrateful. Now they don't appreciate you, right? Because they didn't see what you did, what you spent all day. I was going four hours to get my hair done and you didn't even say anything. Or when it comes to work and how we help one another, I, I did all of this work today. I worked and cleaned up the yard all day, and you didn't even as much as say thank you. You didn't even as much acknowledge and say it looked good. Look at all the flowers I planted. Hallelujah. Look at how you can see yourself on the floor, on the kitchen floor, and you don't even acknowledge all my hard work. Hallelujah. But see, the real test of servitude is, would you do it if nobody noticed? See, when we start breaking down some of the things we fight about, we realize how ridiculous we really are. And what that fight's really about is I'm dealing with enough insecurity about myself and about who I am with you that I need you to acknowledge this so that I can feel better about myself when really it has nothing to do with them. By them acknowledging it, that's only a band-aid on a broken arm. That's not the real source of the problem. Are you still with me? And so often we serve and our motives are messed up for serving. We do it and yet we want the acknowledgement for what we did and how we served. Hallelujah. See, one of the things about us being a servant and serving in any capacity is I'm not worried about the people who serve in church while I'm here. But I'm, sus but I'm suspect of the people who only do it when I'm here. You could, be, you could be doing it for the right reason, but if you're only doing it when I'm looking, then I should be suspect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's kind of like when you ask your kids to clean their room and you can go out of the room and you can hear them playing and that you go back to the room and then you realize as soon as they hear you coming, they get busy cleaning again. You're sort of suspect of them, right? You know darn well they haven't been, all the hours they spend in there, every time I see Brandon Cindy, Cindy's always folding clothes. Amen. I, I'm going to get a good one started now. She's always folding clothes. I've never seen people who have more clothes than this. But I mean, any time of day, you can call her on any weekend and she's folding clothes. She's in the bedroom folding clothes. And she's watching TV. What I've come to learn, and I'm not even, uh, uh, thank God I'm not the one married in there. But listen, what I've come to learn is that what I'm suspect of is what else is she doing while she's folding clothes that gets her attention and distraction. Am I saying right? And so we become suspect of the fact that she gets all wrapped up in some Netflix series that one basket of clothes can take eight hours to fold. That's a big basket. You ain't kidding. Hallelujah. And so we become suspect. And so Brandon can get frustrated that why haven't you got more clothes folded, right? But so we become suspect of people who are only busy. And every time Brandon walks in, she starts folding again. And then he walks out, she starts watching the show again, right? This is all hypothetical, of course. None of it's true. Right. That's the point I'm trying to drive home, is that, that we, we, we should be suspect of the people who are only doing things when we're around. People who only want to participate, right, when you're present. Because real, real servanthood, real service, really, that really comes from a sincere place. And, and, and real service and real servitude comes from a real place of strength.
That's what I mentioned earlier. It takes strength to serve somebody. It takes strength to serve people. People think our food distributions just happen. It takes strength to do those things. It takes strength to endure their criticism and their complaints. It takes strength to lead people in any capacity. Come on. If you want to, if you challenge me in that run for office, it takes strength to run for any political office. I know you might see them as weak. I know you might see them as old and tired. I know we all have our opinions, but it takes strength for them to be who they are and live in the, under the opinions of people. Are you hearing me? It takes strength to serve people in any capacity. And so we often don't, don't associate servitude with strength, but you got to be strong in, in order to serve. Sometimes we even think of people who serve as ignorant or weak. That's why I gave the example that people who are caregivers aren't awfully often appreciated in the manner they should be for all the things that they have to deal with. They're not appreciated. They're not paid enough for what they do. Uh-huh. See, now you're piping up when we start talking about your money. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not that people who serve are ignorant or are weak. They're actually strong to be able to serve. It takes strength to do that. So, so do, not, do not allow the meaningful tasks that we end up doing to blind you to the absolute strength that it takes to give yourself away. Don't, don't, don't be distracted and, and mistaken by the fact that when you see people serving, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the mundane tasks that you see people doing. And, and, and yet, it, but it takes strength for them to do them. It takes strength for us to, to lead worship. It takes strength for people to work upstairs in the media booth. It takes strength for people to be greeters. It takes strength for people to work at a food distribution. Hallelujah. It takes strength for people to work enormous closet and give themselves away. And then to have people not appreciate it. It has strength to every wife in here when you serve your spouse without any recognition whatsoever. It takes strength from husbands to be able to lead their, their families and carry the weight of there's never enough and there's always a demand for more. Give me more money and more bills and all these things and we may not always have enough money or we're wondering where it's going to come from and yet we never, people don't understand the weight that we often carry trying to carry it all. It takes strength to serve your family. Oh, hallelujah. I said we're coming for you today. See, you, 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 you have to have strength and you have to be able to feel safe enough to become vulnerable enough to serve others. Did you hear what I just said? That in order to serve other people, you have to feel safe enough and yet you have to feel vulnerable enough to be able to serve other people. See, some people will never serve someone or never serve their church or never serve in any other capacity. You don't want a service job because you're not willing to be vulnerable enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the moment you step into a level of service, it will, it will show every area of strength, but also every area of weakness. It, it will let everybody around you know who you are and what you're made of. Thank you, Lord. And so you have to be willing to be vulnerable. That's why oftentimes you can't get the help that you need because people aren't willing to be vulnerable. But another reason that we always often can't get the help is because we have a lot more weak people around us than we do strong people. Because I said it takes strong people to serve. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It takes strength to be able to serve. I learned a long time ago that arrogant people are the weakest people I've ever met. See, we, we often have a hard time trying to figure people out and getting along with people, but I learned a long time ago that arrogant, anybody know any arrogant people? Mm-hmm. That arrogant people are actually the weakest people I've ever met. They're arrogant because beneath the camouflage uh, is a false sense of importance. They think they're more important than they really are. And so their arrogance is a means to keep people at bay and help other people to believe and buy into the same lie they're telling themselves. Look at me. I'm important. Hallelujah. They don't have the strength to serve, though. And so they have, they're arrogant to keep from having to serve. Are you understand what I'm saying? That's why some bosses carry such an arrogance. They don't know what it is to get their hands dirty. They don't know what it is to serve anybody else. They don't know what it is to do for anybody else. That's why even sometimes church people will have such an arrogant attitude that they, they try to put off this, this arrogant presence about them so that everyone will leave them alone and everyone serves them and then they don't have to do anything because they have a self-inflated importance about themselves. I, I, I know that's never happened here. Hallelujah. And it's not in any of your families either. Hallelujah. That sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And if we do, that's not coming from a place of strength. That's coming from a place of weakness. In other words, you have to have a, a sense of self and uh, you have to have a sense of self and a self. And, a, and an identity of your own to be able to serve. In other words, a person who really knows who they really are is able to serve. Oftentimes, we get the wrong people serving. And if you don't know who you are, you have a hard time serving. See, it's easy for you to give more of yourself if you know who you are. Let me put it another way. How many of you have ever given until it hurts only to be, not be appreciated and reciprocated? Because you gave something you really didn't have. You gave strength of yourself. You gave love of yourself. You gave energy of all of yourself, and it wasn't reciprocated. But yet, if you really knew who you were, you would have known in the first place not to give something that you couldn't afford to give away to someone who wouldn't appreciate it so much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. See, just because someone takes the platform or, or, or is the boss at work doesn't mean that they're not serving. People often think that going higher means that you don't serve. That's not true. The higher you go, the more you are required to serve. We, we have a, a misunderstanding about what it is. People think that people run for president not to have to serve. No, they run for president to serve the people. That is the job. People should run for Congress to serve, but we often run for power. Are you hearing me? People try to become pastor because they think they don't have to serve anymore. That's all you will ever do is serve people. Hallelujah. Sometimes people want to start a business because they think, oh, I don't want to have to get up and work for nobody. I can sleep in anytime I want. Then you'll be broke. 
because to go into business for yourself, you have to be willing to not just serve your customers, but serve your employees and give more of yourself than you ever thought possible you'd have to give. But when it comes to serving and serving people, you have to be able to feel safe and strong enough to serve. There's many of us that have served and given of ourselves that we felt, we felt abused and misused and abused. And we've allowed the behavior of the recipient of what we've given to change who we are. And we've ended up protecting ourselves from people who are no longer present. Do you ever realize how the times in our life when you and I have given to people and they've wounded us and they've hurt us and it's changed the way that we give. It's changed the level of how much of ourself that we give. It's changed how much I can be depended on. It's changed what things that we allow ourselves to participate in, right? Because of how how badly we were used, how badly we were misused, or how badly we were abused. And yet what you're really doing is you're allowing someone who hurt you in your past, who is no longer even in your present, dictate how much you are giving now. You've allowed them to change the, the makeup of who you are. And yet within you, God has created each of us in such a way that He's created us that we would be servants, that we would give of ourselves. And yet we've allowed ourselves to be so wounded and so, and so, so hurt and so, so uh, challenged throughout our life that we've allowed people who aren't even with us anymore, people who aren't even in our circle of friends anymore, change and determine how much of ourselves we give. And so in other words, we're not vulnerable anymore. We've learned that there are limits to how much we can give. Oh, if we'd all be honest in this place, you know you only give so much of yourself to your spouse because they're ungrateful. You only give so much of yourself to your church because they forgot to say thank you. We only give so much of ourselves in the workplace because the boss is a jerk. We only give so much of ourselves because we don't want to feel used and abused and misused. And so the truth of the matter is, is we're not really serving our spouses. We're not really serving our, our churches. We're not serving our society. We're not serving our communities because we'll only give to the level of what we think they appreciate. Well, we are quiet in here. When I think that, when I, when I think that you've get to, got to a place where you take me for granted, I stop giving. Isn't that true? Once you feel like your husband or your wife takes you for granted and do not appreciate the lengths to which you go or your children or, or, or your, your, your mother or your father or your church, you stop giving. Oh boy, it got quiet. But he's called us to be servants. That's why I said it takes strength to be able to serve. It takes strength to keep giving when you're not feeling appreciated. It takes strength to keep your mouth shut when everybody's criticizing you. It takes strength when nobody in the family appreciates all your hard work and how hard you keep it clean and then they come home and trash the place. 
and then they wonder why you coptitude. People often think sometimes something when I get when I get quiet usually there's something wrong. It's because I'm strong. My weak moments are when I blow up. Right? Help me to stay in a place of strength and don't ask me what's wrong. Just let me stay strong. Right? Right? It's when we feel unappreciated. It's when we feel used and abused and misused that we'll quit giving and we'll quit serving. And yet. God has called you and I to be servants. To be servants. To be servants. And so in order to be a servant, I have to feel safe enough to serve you. Because see, watch this. Healed people can help people. Healed people can help people. Healed people can serve people. Healed people understand that the only job in the kingdom is to serve. I said healed people know that. The only job in the kingdom is to serve. I've given, I've told you all stories about times when people, they want to go in ministry, great. I said, well, join the tidy team. And they get real offended. I had some guy get real offended, left the church, all of that, because he wanted to preach. He wanted to preach. That's all he wanted to do. And I learned that the best way to learn and grow somebody up in ministry is to help them before they step behind a pulpit to know the ins and outs of every other part of the church. Everything that you oversee. I said, so get to cleaning the toilets, get to running the church van, help with children's ministry, help with youth ministry, because you can never lead people where you've never been. And they got all offended and they left the church and in and, and, and a huff and puff and a blow because I, I, I abused their ego. Because I didn't appreciate the call. There was no, I did. I just wanted you to appreciate the people who God was calling you to serve so you wouldn't take advantage of them and, 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 and beat them and, and mistreat them. Hallelujah. So I wanted you to understand every part of the, what the people are going to do that you're gonna, God's calling you to lead. Hallelujah. Look at that. Even the pigeons are listening today about servanthood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I said healed people can help people. God is calling you and I. This church, our whole vision statement, if anybody who pays any attention and reads when they first come to this church, our vision statement, the whole vision statement is about being a servant. Everything that we do for our community is about being a servant. The Community Coalition was about being a servant. Our distributions isn't about, oh, look at us and look at all the money we can spend. It's about being a servant. Women's ministry is about being a servant. Singing on the platform is about being a servant. Cleaning the church is about being a servant. Being a greeter is about being a servant. Are you hearing me? When you wash the dishes after dinner, that's about being a servant. When you vacuum your house, it's about being a servant. Come on, somebody ain't saying amen now. When you do the things for people, even when it seems like they're not appreciating you, it's about being a servant. God has called you and I to a life of servanthood. Think about it this way. Why do you think that Jesus on his last night of life, he got up from a table, girded himself with a towel, stooped down on the floor and washed the feet of his disciples. And then he said, if I being Lord 
know how to serve, how much more are you able to serve? In other words, it's not about titles, it's about towels. Man, we get all caught up in titles. If we don't have the right one, if you don't acknowledge me by my title, I, I, I told you a, a church asked me to come teach, preach, or, or raise up their leadership in Brownsville. And when I didn't address the one lady by her given title, she flipped out on me in the middle of the training seminar. And I just refused to address her by her title because I believe that titles are earned. Jesus got up on his last night living and instead of being focused on a title, he got focused on a towel and he served the very people he was leading. And yet in the body of Christ, man, there are some churches, they'll get all bent out of shape if someone sits in your seat. Why? Because it's, they're, 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 they've not developed a culture of servanthood. The culture that I want us to develop at this place is a culture of service, meaning that if I have to get up out of my seat to let you sit down, that's okay. If I can't park in the back lot because there ain't no room for me, I'll be a servant and park across the street. Oh, don't shout me down. If, 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 I, can't, if I can't help over here, that's okay. I'll serve over there. Are you hearing me? That we would be servants to one another. See, it, 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 We'll do things and we'll behave in ways that we don't look like Christians. And then if somebody says, oh, you're not a Christian, you will get fighting mad. But yet you wouldn't even get up your, give up your parking space. See, what I'm preaching to you today, I know I'm not preaching a message that would get a lot of amens and get you to shout back at me. But what I am preaching to you today is something that will affect every area of your life. What I'm preaching to you right now will affect your peace. It will affect your health. It will affect your mental well-being. Because some of us have given so much of ourselves that we've given until it only hurt you. And then some of us haven't given enough of ourselves that we can't even relate to what that means. That's why I'm saying what I'm preaching to you will affect every area of your life. What I'm preaching to you will affect how you see yourself. What I'm preaching to you will affect how you relate to other people. It, it affects how you relate with your family. Because I know nobody in here has ever got an attitude with your family because they just keep taking. But yet you just keep giving. I was invited to go to dinner somewhere in this. I think it was for a holiday. Everybody was planning to come and somebody made the suggestion oh maybe everyone should bring something instead of the 90 year old cooking for everybody you know the family couldn't even get everybody to contribute so that the oldest member of the family didn't have to work their guts out and work to the bone they just came to take they'd rather be served than to serve are you hearing what I'm saying that is the society we're in. We'd rather be served than to serve. That's why I said it affects every area of your life. We'll pray, God keep growing our church. But God can't grow something if we won't make room for him where we are right now. We'll pray, God, keep growing my family. God, grow our marriage. God, grow my, my relationship with my family. God, grow this. And what God really wants you to understand that in order for him to grow anything, you have to make room for it. You have to make room for it. 
we have to make sure we're not walking in, in fake strength. Fake strength. That sometimes we can't give and sometimes we can't serve because somebody hurt you and I so bad that you don't feel safe enough to serve. Some people in this place have dealt with church hurt so bad that it has made you gun shy of ever working that hard again. And yet wearing the camouflage is killing you and you don't even realize it because it's heavy. It's not allowing you to be authentically you. What would happen if you really let people know who you are as weird, as strange, as goofy of a sense of humor that you know what, that we can serve and not have to look like we're so put together. That I can serve you and serve you with my mistakes. That I can serve you and that that means sometimes I'm gonna have a bad attitude. That I can serve you and sometimes I'm not gonna be in the mood to serve, right? Thursday, one of the truck drivers said, sign their invoice so they could get paid. And at the end of it, uh, he, he said, thank you for your service. Or, or he said, thank you for your business. And I thought this message was starting to trigger in my mind. And I thought, yeah, you're, you're thanking me for your business, but really it's service because you are serving me. I am able to serve people. Right. I, I, I'm just a customer buying your product. And so you're serving me. So I in turn can serve because really the only job that is available for you and I is service. And so the question for you and I today is, are you of any service? Remember the time where we used to thank people who served in the military for their service? Now it's political if you do that. Now it's partisan if we do that, right? We used to even thank our other local leaders for their service. We used to thank a mayor for, for their service. We used to thank congressmen for their service, right? But, but now it's all about power, right? And yet when he said, thank you for your business, I was thinking, no, thank you for your service. Your service in turn allows us to serve those that are in need. And the reason that sometimes there's so much dysfunction in our lives, our family, our country, our churches is because nobody wants to serve. Let, let, me, let me break it down for you another way. Nobody even wants to serve in our homes. Sometimes the wife won't do it because the husband won't help. And the husband won't do it because the wife left to get that way. Oh, see, I'm preaching to somebody today. You're, you're laughing is giving yourself away. The kids don't serve because mom and dad don't serve. I watched a man ask for a cup of coffee from his wife. Totally true. And she huffed and puffed and blew the house down. While I sat at their kitchen table, drinking a cup of coffee, they had just gotten me. When he said, honey, would you give me a cup of coffee? She said, well, the coffee's right there and the cream is in the fridge and God gave you arms. I wanted to melt into the floor because somehow they thought serving me was more important than serving the spouse. Oh, Lord. What am I trying to say? That we'll, we'll serve other people be, before we'll serve in our home. 
But let me, let me help you with this. You are no good serving your church if you're not serving in your home. If you can't serve your spouse and meet their needs and honor them as God has commanded you to honor, don't you bring your dysfunctional, polluted, and deluded self up in here and then think you're gonna somehow be used of God to serve the people of God in a manner that looks Christ-like if you can't even get a cup of coffee for your spouse. They said to me later, they said, I went to school too many years and got Letters behind my name to be getting anybody a cup of coffee. And when I looked and I said to her, I said, well, then you failed. You failed. You should go back to school. You really failed. If you can and don't understand what it is to serve people, you failed. Do you realize every time that you and I pass up an opportunity to serve somebody beyond yourself and what would be convenient for you and what would be good for you, you failed. The reason that oftentimes we struggle to get help in the body of Christ, the reason that we struggle to get help cleaning sidewalks and picking trash, right, is because people don't even serve at home. How could they ever serve their community? What God was speaking to me about you and I as a church is we can only accomplish this massive vision that we are working so hard on if we make sure that we are first to have the heart of a servant at home. Bringing that then into church. And as we bring that in church, you realize that's what attracts people to Him? When you and I give above ourselves, there used to be a worship song that we sang, I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. What we've sang for so many years is, Lord, would you give to me? Bless me. Help me. Strengthen me. Because I don't want to give nothing of myself. My word is, husbands, give to your wives. Wives, serve your husbands. Children, serve your parents. And for the sake of Almighty God, serve a stranger. Serve the community that we are in. Serve your church. Serve and help somebody. Do something beyond yourself. Don't make us have to beg for help in areas. No announcement should ever thrust the bulletin or on the screen because somebody should be serving in some capacity. You never get too old to serve. You, you are never too, too disabled to serve. You know, you, you want to know how I know that? The other day I was out mowing the grass, doing what, what David didn't get done. And so I was out mowing and all along came uh, 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 Brother Scott on his wheelchair. We stopped and chatted for a moment and he recognized that we've had a boulder laying in the alley for two years that we've asked the city to move because their plow trucks broke it off of our sidewalk and it's never been moved and it was too heavy to lift. And then suddenly he said, where do you want it? I said, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Do you know, not only has have I watched him serve and vacuum this church in his wheelchair, but he picked up that boulder and what you did is you blessed me. 
And you don't even know it, but you bless me because you, you, you confirm the word of what it is to serve. Right in the alley that you all pulled up and probably took for granted and didn't even notice that it was gone. He got down as far as he could get with limited mobility, somebody. Lifted up this, this big boulder chunk off of the sidewalk. Lifted it up onto the, 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 the paddle of his, of his motorized wheelchair. And because the weight of it was so heavy, it started to tip it forward like this. So he had to reposition it. But he was being a servant beyond himself. So don't ever tell me that you're limited. He got that on the pedal of his thing and wheeled it across the street. We dumped it on the other corner where there is no sidewalk so nobody will trip and fall. What I'm trying to say is that serving goes beyond you. Serving will require something of yourself. Being a servant means you look for opportunities to give of yourself and you don't wait to be asked. Husbands, your wives should not have to say to you, honey, will you help me? Real love gives. Churches shouldn't have to ask for your help because real love gives. Husbands shouldn't have to ask for their wives to pay attention because real love gives. Real love serves is somebody hearing me in this place. The only way that we are ever going to be a hub for this community that God has called us to be and everybody knows where Fresh Fire is now. And that's great and that's awesome. But the only real way that we are ever going to be able to be what God has called us to be, the greatest title you can ever receive is not apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Those are the five-fold ministry gifts, but those titles mean nothing. The greatest title you will ever receive is servant. That's what he has called us all to do, is to serve people. I didn't even get to the text. I wanted to get to the text to be able to lay it out for you, but maybe next week. My point is that God wants you to give beyond yourself. God wants you to find a way to give something beyond, that you are gifted and you are called. And God wants you to use those things to help someone else to give beyond. Not everyone's called to serve in a distribution. Not everybody's called to play a piano. Not everyone's called, but, but you are all called to serve in some capacity. Serve your neighbor. I was so convicted because I keep my yard like fine. I'm meticulous. And my neighbor has a rod mower sitting in their yard that they refuse to use. I'm sort of just like, I waited until about July and their yard was this high. I'm not kidding you. I was mowing one day. Lord, I still got three other yards to do. And the Lord said, would you just mow it? I said, but God, why am I going to give something for them? They take no care and appreciation in their place. He said, just mow the yard. So with an attitude, I drove that tractor around up over there. They have this big hill like this. And 
I had that tractor standing on its back hind end and we went the whole way up over there. And I got the yard about done. It only took a few minutes. And the girl comes out crying and sobbing. She said, thank you. I didn't know what I was going to do. She said, I don't have a key for the tractor. And then when we tried to hotwire it, it won't start. I don't know what else I was, I was going to do. I was starting to come out here with my hands on my hands and knees and start pull. That's how bad it is. She said, thank you. I didn't know what I was going to do. Crying and sobbing on her face. And she said, can I give you a hug? Meanwhile, she thinks I'm cute anyway. She's always hitting on me. That's okay. I said, yeah, you can give me a hug. Give me a hug. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And she said, what can I give you? What do you need? Can I get you some gas? I said, no. I said, it's for free. You don't have to give me anything. I'm just happy to serve. See, we, it's easy for us to fight over to, with our neighbors about their high grass than just be a part of the solution and serve them. We'll fight with our families about what's not working instead of serving them. We'll work harder about fighting our spouse over what they're not doing than just serve. Just serve. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Maybe next week we'll use the text and we'll get to the part where it says that every knee shall bow. Because that's the part of the picture you have to understand. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Christ the Lord. Why? Because he came to serve. You draw more people to you serving than you ever will be in your nasty self with your bad attitude and your arrogant manner. Trying to pretend you're more important than you really are. God has called us to serve. God has called our church to serve. He's called you to serve. Now find a way to serve. Don't get it upside down. Don't get it upside down and inside out. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Find a way and a place to serve. I expect this to be a week where you all are serving one another. I, I believe Angela is going to find ways to serve her mother. I believe that we're going to find ways of serving one another in this place. I believe we're going to find ways to serve our neighbor. Are you hearing me? I believe we'll find ways to serve mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And as we do, you'll be blessed in return because of it find a way to serve you can serve and still disagree with them serve them anyhow fight later serve now hallelujah are you with me hallelujah stand to your feet if you're able to hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. thank you Jesus Help me to be a servant. 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 Thank you, Heavenly Father. Help me to be a servant. As we prepare to close, if you could just take a moment, close your eyes. 
And I want you to think about the word. Think about the word that I just shared with you. And I want you and I just to take a moment of self-inventory. Self-inventory of what it is to be a servant, of all the ways that we've gone wrong, of all the ways we didn't do it right. I want you to take a moment to consider, I didn't get to get into to it much, but all the ways of sometimes where we don't give of ourselves because of how badly we've been hurt, how badly we've been used, abused, and misused. And I want you today to just make up, be able to make up your mind that you're going to choose to serve. You're going to choose just to give of yourself anyway. You're going to choose to, to, to give even when it hurts. That you'll, you'll get the cup of coffee even though you're so irritated with them. You could pluck their eyeballs out with a spoon. That, that, that you're, you're going to give of yourself even when you're getting tired. Lord, help us to be servants. Help us to be servants. And so the, the reason I wanted you to take a moment just to make that decision among and just by yourself and to think about where you are and to think about how much more of yourself that you could be giving and how you could serve your spouse better, how you could serve your church or your community. I'm determined that we're going to make a difference in our city, that we're going to cultivate an atmosphere that is going to bring real change. And the only way we can do that is if we ourselves are servants. If we give beyond ourselves. Hallelujah. The only way you're going to cultivate an atmosphere in your home and your marriage and your family is if you can give of yourself. Give of yourself. Give when you don't feel like it. Serve one another. Husbands serve your wives. Wives serve your husbands. Children serve your parents. People serve your church and serve your community and serve your neighbor. that we would not be part of the culture that says give to me and serve me. But instead I can be one of the people that say how can I help? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? How can I help? Hallelujah.